Hello, hello. You are listening to Why the World Needs You podcast, hosted by me, Benjamin Fritz. This podcast has been created to empower you to become the person you've always wanted to be. The journey is difficult and the challenges are many, but the rewards of being true to yourself are immeasurable. The objective of this show is to give you a safe, supportive space to learn, gain inspiration, and witness the true power and freedom that comes with becoming the person that you are meant to be. Why the World Needs You is a community of purpose-driven individuals who are passionate, gifted, and have a zest for life. They deeply desire to share their unique voice and gifts in order to make the world a better place for themselves and future generations. They are pulled to a different way of living and a higher purpose, while remaining grounded in their desire to engage and contribute in practical ways. My goal is for you to walk away from each episode with confidence and conviction, sharing your authentic self with the world, as well as a deepening understanding of your potential to impact the world in a way that makes sense to you. I'm honored to have this privilege. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day and your journey. Hello, and welcome to the Why the World Needs You podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Fritz, and today I have Mark Kumachek here with me. As a certified dream manager, Mark is an energetic practitioner of the Dream Manager program. Using the blueprint from Matthew Kelly's best-selling business treasure, The Dream Manager, he directly helps employees become the best versions of themselves. By helping people become more passionate and engaged in their lives, they naturally become more passionate, engaged, and effective at work. Mark's life mission is centered on three principles, personify kindness, generously give energy, and courage. Mark enjoys running, coffee, family travels, breakfast sandwiches, and a cold beer. Mark, thanks so much for being here. My pleasure, Ben. It's great to be here with you, even though you're a Bears fan. Oh, you know what? You beat me to the punch. I was just going to throw it in there that we were just discussing football before this because, uh, yeah, Mark's Mark's a Packers fan. And he he gave me a little jab in in uh, our first kind of the the form that I send out, and so told him I I almost had to cancel the pod. <laughs> it's part of my nature, man. I wouldn't be true to myself if I wasn't uh, representing the Packers here today. Exactly. And you know what? That's what I can respect. I've grown to uh, just kind of accept it and roll with the punches since I married a Packers fan. So I'm just right on house divided. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just a punching bag now. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll, I'm done now. I'll let it go. Right. <laughs> uh, well, we met, uh, I don't know, not too long ago on, on LinkedIn and just kind of connected. We're, you know, both coaches and I yeah, I'm not even sure how it happened. How we I, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these like connections I make, I really don't. And I, it's not like until I come on the podcast from like, when, how did that happen? Right. I was thinking um, that this morning too, while I was out for a jog. Oh like, yeah. I don't even know exactly when we can, probably within the last six months or so. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking too. Um, and I just, I really resonate with your your content, your energy. Just you know, despite the Packer thing, you just seem like a really good guy. So Thanks, <laughs> I was brother. excited to vice versa. Yeah, right. I was excited to have you on and um, really just kind of learn a little bit more about you, your story, and uh, we'll kind of dig in from there. Cool. Yeah. Well, as we kind of hit on, I'm a Wisconsin guy, born and raised, and uh, just outside Green Bay, Wisconsin. Been here the majority of my life. Uh, important things out of the way first. My, uh, we're married to a wonderful woman named Jenny. Uh, she's a nurse practitioner and just a overall amazing person. Um, and then I have two, we have two sons. We have a 14 year old who is in eighth grade, 
finishing eighth grade uh, virtually, right? Mm-hmm. Given our, where we're at right now. And then I have a fourth grader who's uh, 10 years old. So uh, the four of us plus our, our furry son, our, our dog, Rocky, is a Wheaton Terrier. You, you may hear him in the background bark from time to time here, depending on what activities are going on outside, what squirrels were run by. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that makes up the Kumachek household. Um, uh, Love it. Just my, my story, again, I, I, I live in the Green Bay area. I grew up probably a half hour drive from here in a small town. I'm a small town guy. My wife's a small town girl. Um, we got to know each other in college. Um, I kind of look at my career path. I ended up working with a company that insured jewelry of all things for about 15 years. It was a great journey. Had an opportunity to learn all sorts of different things about an organization, how business runs, see it from all different angles, but, but truly got to a point of, is this really what I want to do? Do I really want to, you know, live the corporate life, climb that ladder. And that was all I was about for 15 years of my career. And not until about the mid thirties did I start to question myself and do some reflection on really what I want to do with my life. And I'm kind of giving you the short version here. We can dig in wherever you see fit. Uh, But one day I just quit, (laughs) Uh, which I wouldn't necessarily recommend to anyone uh, because I literally, I was in a meeting and I didn't necessarily like where it was going. I almost had a out of body experience and I really felt that way. I'm like, I felt like I'm just witnessing this from afar. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And I went out to my car. I called my dad and I said, I'm about to quit. (laughs) Either, can you either encourage me and give me support or tell me I'm crazy? Yeah. And and he kind of waffled around it, but basically left it you know, if that's what you need to do, I understand, son. So I actually went back, went to work because it was an offsite meeting, got back into the office. I'm like, I'm going to go for a, a run at lunch. And if I still feel the same way after lunch, I'm going to go, I'm going to go quit. I went for a run and that's exactly what I did. <laughs> I, I went and resigned at that point. I stayed on for about a month, worked on some transition things and did some consulting work on the way out, which worked out really, really well. Uh, but really launched myself into understanding and really going after what I really wanted to, my best version of myself to end up being and what I could give back to the world. Like I said, it was kind of abrupt and, and probably not the best approach because I didn't have everything thought out. And it probably wasn't the most responsible thing to do uh, with a wife and two kids, but figured it out. Um, so from there, I just, uh, Ben, I just, I got into the consulting world and I thought, you know, that's really what I want to do. I just, I've had this 15 years of awesome experience kind of looking at things from a 360 degree view. Um, I'm going to help out some businesses and bring my skills to the table. So did more or less what I call traditional consulting work, moving a key initiative or a project for an organization from point A to point B when they don't have the resources, the expertise, or the time and focus, uh, bring a guy like me and I'll help you out. And I kind of committed, I'm, like, I'm going to do this for five years, all right? I'm going to give this a five-year run. Of course, what happened then was my second client, after about a month, said, hey, will you come join us <laughs> formally? And I'm like, no. And then they asked again, then no. And then finally, we, we kind of came to terms. And my wife and I kind of sat down and said, what are the boxes we need to check here to make this happen? Mm-hmm. Forget mm-hmm. that five-year thing. If it's the right thing to do, do it. Um, and I stayed on with that organization. They were in um, employee benefits and wellness consulting. So their wellness technology platform and the like. Uh, so I was there for about two and a half years. And, and kind of during that two and a half year period too, 
I was introduced to an author named Matthew Kelly. We can get into that story because it's kind of funny. It involves my dad a little bit later. But Matthew Kelly's work, he does some spiritual work, but he also has a business side to him, really exposed me to digging deeper and asking myself some of those big questions, which I know after listening to some of your episodes of your podcast, are gonna, you're going to understand, Ben. Who am I? Why am I here? What matters most? What matters least? And, and mm-hmm. really, you know, looking myself in the mirror and having the courage to have those conversations with myself. Yeah. So Matthew Kelly's work really started to bring some of that stuff out of me. And one thing led to another. And about a year after I was exposed to his work the first time, I came across a book called The Dream Manager. And that was more, one of his more business-oriented books. And The Dream Manager is a, a story about an organization that's having all, sort of, all sorts of uh, retention and employee engagement issues. And we're talking 250% turnover in a given year. So they're, it's kind of a mess. And they try all sorts of different things to make it go and to resolve that issue. And nothing seems to be working. And finally, they put in place what's called the dream manager. And this obscure concept, this dream manager is there to be a resource to their employees, to help their employees, how do I put it, really identify, articulate, and plan for their life dreams or life goals. And what the organization sends up seeing then is because they have this resource in place and it's helping people buy a new home, run a marathon, take that trip around the world, take that RV and drive to Alaska, something they've been always wanting to do. The people that go through this program end up being more passionate, engaged in their lives as a whole. And then they bring that into the workplace as well. Uh, So it's a really cool concept. And besides that, uh, they also create an intense amount of loyalty between the employer and the employee. So that whole relationship really great, changes dramatically. Um, so I read that book and kind of got hooked on it. And uh, one thing led to another, and I'm sure we'll hit on the kind of the steps that got me to end, end up actually being a dream manager um, as we go on forward. But I'll, I'm, I feel like I'm talking a lot. I want to give you an opportunity to chime in with some questions here. Oh, I love it. I'm over here just making notes and <laughs> so many interesting things to dig in on. Uh, just to, to quick, before we go back to the beginning, kind of, I love the sounds of that. I have not actually read it. And ever since I, you know, you and I, connected, I'll be sending I've, you a copy, Ben. Yeah, no, I I love it. Ever since you and I connected, I've been curious. I just haven't actually gone out and uh, searched it out and, and got it. But it's funny because my first, the first response to me is like, I have a very um, sarcastic, t- like the thought that comes to me is, oh, like you're treating these people like people. Wow. What a, you know, what a That's novel, exactly what, it is. what a novel idea. Right. Uh, but truly it's, it sounds like an amazing framework because really at the end of the day, it's like, if you treat people as people and and show them that you value them and you want to help facilitate their journey as a human, not just as an employee and as a number, then it follows that they're going to become more engaged and can kind of be hitting on, on all cylinders. So I really, I really like that. And it sounds really cool because for me, I deal with people on the more personal side. So you and I do similar work in terms Absolutely. of the the things that we're asking and the direction that we're we're helping people create in their lives. But 
in two different kind of contexts where mine is like a, a more personal context. A lot of times the people that I work with are, are changing careers or know that deep down they need to plan for a changing of careers or, right. or shift. Whereas for you, you know, maybe that comes up for people, but maybe at least it sounds like to me, and you correct me if this is, is not the case, but it sounds like they can then stay in their jobs, but become much more engaged and kind of all the things in their life can start to fall in place a little bit more because they, they have some of these like pillars or things right. to, to really yeah. focus on. You're right on. And that's generally the case, but you do see people that go through a program like this and say, you know what I'm actually doing right now. It is not aligned mm-hmm. with what makes totally. my race. And maybe it's another thing within the organization, which is really good for the employer to know, right? Totally. And the employee to yeah. know. Because then you're, you're heading in a direction that's going to maximize that person's potential. Yeah. However, sometimes it's going to lead to outside the organization too. So organizations got to be comfortable that an organ- that, that may happen. But I'll argue that's, that's good, healthy turnover. It's a win-win in reality. Because you're right. getting someone aligned and you're launching them in a career that's in alignment with their dreams. And you don't want a person that's not passionate about what they're doing in that seat. Let's find someone that is. So it's a yeah. very healthy dialogue too. And it, it does, but it does put some people in, an, especially from a leadership perspective, it could put you in an uncomfortable spot too, because you are going to open a can of worms because we do call, we're going to talk career development. We're also going to talk vacations and, you know, physical health and all those other things in, in life because we want to help people achieve those, but it's definitely going to cross into the, the, the career side of things as well. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Do you ever encounter uh, companies not wanting to to do this or, or have you come on or anything like that because they're worried about you creating turnover? Well, it, it does come into the equation and you just, you have to meet employers where they're at. And I get that too. Yeah. And, and you know, um, I do what's called a dream storm a lot of times as an early kind of workshop to, um, to initiate a program within an organization. And, and part of that is you go through 20 questions and you get people, you know, re-engaging, reigniting life dreams and goals. And there's a couple questions in there that I always ask the employer up front. Do you want me to go there or not? And uh, one of okay. them is just, okay. let's ask people, what's their dream job? You know, and, and don't give me the politically correct answer. Really, what's your dream job? Mm-hmm. And, and the other one is, you know, in your current workspace or work environment, what's one thing you would change that would make it better? So those are two. I could get an early indication where an employer's at by seeing if they want me to include those in a dream storm or not. And right, we, right. We Seeing how open they are. Exactly. Okay. And, yeah. I, and I have a couple dream manager, dream coach colleagues out there that work for other organizations. I'm more of a, I do it as a fractional thing, more as a, a you know, I come in and help the organization out as an independent third party. But there are organizations that do have a dream manager, dream coach on staff. Okay. And I, in one, one that I, I, I talked to um, at least once a quarter, he started out in his role and the organization did not want him having career conversations. Wanted to be all about people's lives, leave the career side because we don't want to step into that. We want this to completely be confidential and it's all about their life. And that's how it was for the first couple of years. Uh, but then they transitioned into, oh, no, no, let's make this the whole person, as you were saying earlier. Yeah. Why should we keep career out of it? At first, they thought it was a good thing because it would be more independent. And it's not about us. It's about you as an employee. But in time, they embraced it as, yeah, if, it's, if there's career development things and they potentially may lead us outside of the organization, 
that's, that's an okay thing as well. We're still going to keep the service available and really embrace that too. Okay. Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense. And it's, it's funny to think about trying to address one or the other, right? Work is what we do the majority of the, the, for our lives really, you know, before retirement. And so if that's what we spend most of our waking hours doing, it's, it's funny how you could potentially want to leave career out of the conversation of personal happiness and fulfillment. Exactly. Well, everything um, in this day and age is so integrated, right? And yeah. I think we're witnessing that more than ever over yeah. the last uh, 45 days. Well, yeah. <laughs> Everything's integrated. Our whole, our life and work, there's no balance. It's integrated. So you have to figure it out as a whole. You really do. Yeah, that's an interesting thing because it's like the push and the pull, right? Like how to, how is that relationship between you? We have this concept of work-life balance and this is something that recently, you know, probably, I don't know what, in the past like 10 years or so, maybe even a little bit longer, but that's become much more of a focus for employers and, you know, obviously individuals want a little bit more of that but it seems like we're in a space where we're having that conversation a lot, but we're not actually seeing the needle move necessarily in terms of creating a better work-life balance. Do you agree with that? And if so, how have you, like, how, what has your work shown you about the whole topic of work-life balance? Um, I think it's going to be yes. And, and, I, and I've had to come to, I had to evolve to that point mm-hmm. of, I was always a person app. Yeah, I can definitely have a separation between the two. Yeah. And frankly, you know, for parts of my career, I'm like, I can be two different people, right? I can be one person in the workplace and then a gentler version at home. And mm-hmm. that's BS too. I think yep. that that separation is no longer there. And in, in this day and age, again, it's intensified right now, but it's more of an integration. And the more you can align your life with your purpose and if at all possible have your purpose aligned with your work which is not going to always be the case all the better however what i find though if, if even if your work does not align with your purpose if you're structured to be working towards meaningful life goals and life dreams it makes your work day fold right in nicely into your whole life as a whole because you're working towards something. It makes the crappy days all the worthwhile then, right? Mm-hmm. When the nose is to the grindstone. Because you know what you're working towards. Yeah. But so many of us walk around blind and we don't understand where we're heading. And Matthew Kelly says this is one of the quotes he says in one book. I don't remember which one, but if you if you don't know where you're going, you're lost. Yeah. Um, so my meandering answer to your question is, I believe less about balance and more about integration. Um, and that's why I think it's very important in an employee work, employer works, um, a workplace setting um, that you do take on the topic of people's life goals and dreams and have an open dialogue about that. It makes a lot of sense. And I really like what you said there about if you don't know where you're going, you're lost. I had a client who I've been working with for uh, probably eight months now, 
And when we first started working together, he's, let's say he's, he's, you know, around 40 for the sake of the conversation. Um, In one of our initial conversations, we had a talk about what his goals were, where he was at, why he was unhappy, just kind of feeling very stuck and in a rut. But also like he has no idea what the change, just very overwhelmed. Right. And when we had that conversation, he felt, he was like, I feel kind of stupid. I feel silly because as you're asking these questions, I'm realizing that I don't have goals. He's like, I don't, I don't know where I'm going. And of course it would follow then that I feel this way. Right. So really in hindsight, it was like, yeah, like he realized that for the past 10 years of his life, because he accomplished what he had wanted to 10 years ago, going to school for a certain thing, getting a certain job, getting into an industry that he he really did enjoy. He felt right. very, very tied to. It was aligned with his purpose and the work he wanted to be doing, but that didn't adapt. That, that didn't shift. It didn't evolve. And since he wasn't intentional, and this is not to put him on the spot because it's like, look, we, we all do this in our lives, but. Hey, I, I did it for a long time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> but basically then it's like, you get put in a situation where it's like, oh, like no wonder I'm 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 lost. So along that concept of creating a direction, having a vision, how do you go about that? And you know, you don't have to give us your whole process, obviously, but just kind of the, the short of it, like how if somebody feels like that, how do they get to a point where they can create some more. I, I, to me, I always bring it back to clarity and direction. Those are the two things that really make sense for me and the people that I work with. So how do people create that direction in their lives? Well, first off, I'll say, I'd like to talk about a Henry David Thoreau quote almost immediately when I start working with people, even in a dream storm workshop setting. It's the, and I'm sure you, you know it, it's, Back when he went to Walden Pond, back in July 4th, 1885, when he left Concord, Mass., and shortly thereafter, he quickly realized that, as he was reflecting, that most men, and a lot of women, live, lead lives of quiet desperation. And, and I think when people take that big step back, they, though they may not admit it at the spot, a lot of people see that in their own lives. They get up in the morning. They struggle to get out of bed on time, right? Mm-hmm. And they may or may not exercise. They run downstairs, let the dog out. They make breakfast for the kids, shuttle everyone off to school, go off to work to a job that they're not necessarily all that excited about. Get home, run their kids around, let the dog out again, uh, have a cocktail and go to sleep and start the day over again. And yeah. drink a bunch of coffee throughout the day, which I'm guilty of as well. I like coffee, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, but we live that quiet life of desperation. We don't know where we're going, as we mentioned. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, when we do that, we also, the other part of that quote is that those same men and women that live like, quiet lives of desperation also go to the grave with the song still in them. Mm. So you you got to create that platform or getting people to understand if you're in that spot, that it's not too late to make a change. And to make a change the best spot to start in my humble opinion is to start talking about dreams or life goals. Sometimes dreams too, is too fluffy of a word for people and 
totally get that. I, I was so, going to ask about that. That yeah. was actually the, the one of the other questions I was going to come back to because I'm curious for you what that looks like. You know, I could, I could probably get away with that in the personal space, but I was really curious for you, especially working in more of corporate as a loose term, um, working in that kind of environment with companies, how does that work and how is that received? Right. No, you, you have to, you have to know your audience. You're absolutely right. And I, I used to talk dreams all the time. Now I go to dreams or life goals. And ultimately what we're going to do is help people develop a strategic plan, personal strategic plan for their life. Right. So let's talk more in that kind of terms. Let's get them to start talking, taking action on their personal flywheel, if you will. So I try to use business terms, good to great by Jim Collins is a, a, another business classic out there that talks about companies that have been able to sustain awesome results over a number of years. And they have a flywheel effect that basically there's key steps to that flywheel. But once you get a first spin around it, you get some momentum and the second spin, you get more and you can sustain that. I've kind of taken that same model and applied it to helping individuals as well. Uh, so imagine if there's a flywheel, a drawing, if you will, on top of it as dreams. And on the right-hand side, it has a plan and grow new skills. At the bottom of that wheel, you have achieve. And then on the left-hand side, come up the left-hand side, you'll build confidence. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and then once they build confidence, they're ready to go back to that top of that circle and dream even bigger, right? Yeah. So the way I put it to organizations and to leaders of organizations is you understand that flywheel concept, right? From good to great. Imagine if your whole organization, everyone in your organization had their own personal flywheel that looked like this and they were working on it and they were starting to spin some revolutions and get some momentum on it. What would that mean to the flywheel of your organization? Mm. It's pretty powerful. Love that. Yeah. It's going to do nothing, if, nothing but speed that momentum up of the right. organization's flywheel. Each person within the organization's, you know, taking a spin around their own personal flywheel as well. So time, finding avenues to your question, finding avenues to, yeah, dreams and that concept works in some circumstances, but there's other ways that tie real closely to uh, more business oriented uh, language, if you will. Makes sense. Yeah. It's all about... <laughs> knowing how to speak to the people and just in their terms. And I bet you that once you can do that and once you can get them engaged, they're probably gung ho about it. They're like, <laughs> cause they're probably ready to, to plan and, you know, strategize and, and be ready to achieve. I would imagine. Some are and some aren't and, and okay. that's okay. It's still, it still could be a soft concept for some people. There's not a direct ROI to something like this. Right. I mean, you could come up with one, but it's, you're taking some leaps of faith along the way as well. Uh, so it ne- needs to be an organization that really values their culture and does value employee engagement as willing to invest in that. Mm-hmm. And there's certain type of leaders that gravitate in that direction. There's some that aren't. And that's totally fine. It's almost binary, right? So you, yeah. can, you, you can define your market relatively quickly that way with a simple 15-minute converse, conversation with someone. You'll know if it's going to resonate with them or not. Right. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> um, so regardless of terminology, what's when you're, when you're kind of like setting this up, what's the point where you face resistance? Because I think a lot of times for, <laughs> yes. for you and for me, 
people have, who have gone through this and, and done so in our own lives and who have helped people do the same, you, you see that massive shift in quality of life, right? And so for me, I always, when I'm talking to people about my own journey, it's like, I can't, like it's apples and oranges. The, the life that I was living and, and shit, I only did it for a couple of years, <laughs> but the life that I was living and then the life that I shifted to and created, like I can't even compare. The, the person is not the same person. That I think is is really hard to explain to people in, in words, right? Because so much of it is deeply rooted in just experience and emotion and um, and feeling. Yes, it is. So for you when people aren't ready to buy in, what does that usually look like? Like what is the, the, the most common resistance? Well, resistance is, it's everywhere through this whole journey. I mean, resistance is something you and I deal with many, 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 many times each day Yeah, <laughs> from whether we're going to hit snooze on the alarm clock. If we don't, that's our first, first time we told resistance who's boss. But yeah, I'll, I'll start out with a, from an actual participant in a program perspective, you see resistance day one. As soon as I get people together in a room and say, hey, we're going to talk about some dreams and life goals today. You know, some people will be fired up in that group, but you know, there's a good number of people in that room that are not going to be excited about. Rolling their eyes. (laughs) Exactly. And how you work through that is you structure the questions in a certain way Mm -hmm. so that people are comfortable answering and having some dialogue on, um, the early questions and you get more reflective as you go. So for example, when you do a dream storm, we'll generally start with a question like, Hey, if you could get up and travel anywhere in the world, where would you go? Give me your top three places. Very easy. Even those people that were rolling their eyes will start talking, right? They want to go to, they want to go to Iceland and Australia and all that stuff. And, and then you get a little bit more difficult and you get halfway through it. You, you start talking about some relationship type questions. What's one relationship in your life? that you'd like to improve. And it gets a little quiet in the room at that point. And there is a little resistance to it, but I'm like, Hey, understand this is personal. You don't need to necessarily share this one unless you're comfortable doing it. At least write it down and give it some thought because I guarantee if there, you you have a relationship, number one in your life that kind of weighs on your shoulders. Number two, if you address that relationship, a lot of other things in your life are going to start to fall in place. And then we end with more of a, legacy type question, uh, which is, Hey, what do you want? Frankly, what do you want people to remember you by? Remember you for, and that I'm not asking for any questions at a point in time. Just give me 10 words, take some time and reflect over the next 24 hours. You take 10 minutes and give me 10 words that you want people to remember you for, or to use in describing you right now. That's a powerful one because that starts Mm -hmm. to develop a compass for how you live your life. Pull that sheet out every once in a while and say, how good of a job am I doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, but through the process helps overcome resistance early. Um, and then I kind of march that towards a, out of an organization of say a hundred people. I'll do a dream storm with a full group like that just to expose them to the concept. In reality, about maybe 10% will want to go through coaching with you then. Mm-hmm. So then we fall into a month to month um, a rhythm of accountability and starting to now take some of those dreams that we rekindled and let's start to shape them into something and start to make progress towards them. 
so with that group, you're going to see resistance day one, because after that dream storm, I'm going to sit down with them and say, okay, between now and our next session, I want you to come back to me with a hundred dreams. <laughs> and you can imagine the response, right? Yep. No way I can get a hundred dreams. You got to put, it's done on purpose to push them through and to yeah. help them break through that limitation in their mindset. Yep. So there's resistance there. Then you get them down to, okay, now we got a hundred. We did that. Cool. We're on our way. Now we're going to narrow down to four. Okay. We're going to narrow down to four <laughs> that we're going to work on together. That's a whole different type of resistance. Now, yep. which ones do I choose? What priority do I have? So you try to frame it in a way where maybe there's two within the next year, one within a may one to five years. And then like a larger five, 10 years out, what's something really big you want to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we start crafting those into some, some uh, dream planners, if you will, and uh, start to form that accountability. But then you get into the program too. And Hey, where are you at with this? Oh, I didn't do anything. You get that resistance, you know, did you develop your plan for this one? Uh, that's where the accountability is. And sometimes the, the tough love and, and helping people break through because resistance just isn't part of our daily lives. Um, so as a coach, as a dream manager, I just need to be conscious of that and help people break through that wherever possible and uh, not be overly uh, um, getting out the ruler and beating them on the, you know, <laughs> the, the knuckles of, of their hands. And, uh, and I mentioned that earlier, you kind of hit it in the intro. I, I think it's far more important to encourage because sometimes all it takes is a little encouragement reminder. Yeah. And remember that I was once in their spot too. <laughs> yeah. It's that's one thing that I've found so, so interesting is that sometimes because I I'm an encourager by nature as well. I am not the tough love. And this is funny because I'm, so I come from the fitness industry. So getting right. into personal training and being in that space, you know, I am not your, your boot camp instructor. I am not that guy that's going to sit there and yell at you. But it's interesting because my, I, I created a certain audience then because of that. The, the people that came to me wanted a softer approach. They wanted a little bit right. more kind of like compassionate and, and just a slower, more encouraged approach. But then even with the, the coaching that I'm doing now, sometimes it still catches me off guard. Like, especially when I'm working with somebody new, how just a little bit of encouragement can go such a long way. Like some people, just the response of like, oh, thank you. That, that, you know, was so, so helpful or that made such a difference. And to me, it doesn't seem that crazy. I'm just like, oh, like I'm just doing what I, you know, what I know to do. And, you know, I didn't do some crazy coaching thing. I didn't do right. some crazy plan or some insane strategy that I, you know, nobody else knows about. It's like, I just gave him a little bit of encouragement. And so I guess what I'm getting to is saying all this is that we can all use more encouragement in our lives. And so not even, not even tied to, you know, you kind of get away from the, this kind of big thing. We're talking dreams and life goals and purpose and all this stuff here, which is awesome. And both you and I love that shit. Like we we live and breathe it. But at the end of the day, it's like, even if you scale back from that, just encouraging people on a daily basis. And this is something that anybody can do, right? right? You don't need to be a coach to do that. And so I wasn't really going anywhere with this besides the fact no, that I it just makes wanted sense, to though. say. It actually triggered a thought of mine too. I okay. mean, you're talking about resistance too. Uh, just an example. I mean, recently, like 
one of our, we're, we're three months into a program and, and someone's keeps kind of trying to punt our next appointment down. I'm like, dude, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Well, and you go, as you peel back the layers of the onion, it's like, well, I'm not prepared. I didn't do this proper take home activity. I'm not quite ready to go. Like, dude, it's far more important right now that we just chat. Okay. Yeah. In the here and now, I don't want you to worry about that. Let's just get on the conversation. Let's just get on the phone and have a 15 minute conversation to check yeah. in. That's your opportunity to encourage to, I know you didn't do exactly what we laid out next time, but where are you at and where are you going to get between now and our next conversation? It's amazing what that type of approach can do to help people continue to move along and not be overly unkind to themselves as well. Yeah. Which I think we all tend to do. Right. Yeah, no, thank you. I, I love that. And we could go deep into oh, we sure could. <laughs> all sorts of stuff there, but I want to kind of shift directions a little bit here and go back to your story and kind of where things started for you. So as we're talking about shifts and resistance, things like that, I want to touch back on your, your quitting story because <laughs> gotta love that. Gotta love a good quitting story. <laughs> um, but for you, so I guess my first question was, did you feel that building? Like how long <laughs> was that building? What did that feel like? Just kind of walk me and anybody listening through, because I'm imagining that there's plenty of people that are somewhere in that stage themselves. So I'm just curious about what your experience was. Yeah, it, up to it that probably moment. built for about three years slowly, okay. if I look back over it. And it wasn't necessarily a single event, like over that time, which really triggered it. I like to put it this way. <laughs> it's kind of goofy, but I really had no reason to quit other than I thought about it every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. It was just something that was always on your mind. You're like, do I still want to be doing this? Is this really me? There's got to be something different out there. I was approaching age 40 at that point. Like, what do I want the second half of my career to really look like? Mm-hmm. What do I want to embrace? It was more of those questions about me and less about the environment that was in. That what I envisioned being a business major coming out of college, which is so common, right? Coming out of college, I just want to go. I want to uh, dress nice. I want to make good money. I want to drive a nice car. I want to provide for my family and get the type bills that go along with it. That's what I mm-hmm. wanted for a long period of time. But then I started to question, and I guess I say one event didn't, but I was introduced to a book. And for some reason, this book, it's called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff mm. by Richard Carlson. It's a very small, short chapter book. Like you read a chapter a day. Okay. A colleague of mine named Jeff introduced me to it um, years ago. And that book, for some reason, really spoke to me and started to flip me into a more reflective mindset. And again, probably I'd say three, four, five years before I left, I started to consume that book. And that's where I started to lightly ask myself those questions. Um, and again, it kind of anchored itself in me of it wasn't necessarily that I needed to quit. It wasn't killing me. I wasn't having panic attacks at that point, though I had some prior in my career. Um, I was doing fine. I was making good money. Uh, Outwardly, people would look at me and say, you're a really happy guy. You're doing well. Yeah. 
but deep down I knew something was missing and it mm-hmm. was just, it was just something I thought about every day, the potential joy of quitting and figuring it out. And then one day I did it. Yeah. It's interesting to me because as soon as you're saying that, like I can resonate with that in terms of, I didn't hate my job either. And I remember going through it at the time and people asking me like, Oh, you hated your job or like, Oh, you hate your job. I'm like, not really actually, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it was interesting because that made me feel kind of guilty or question what I was doing. Like, am I doing the right thing is like, should I be doing this? I, I should be pretty happy with what I have. I should be grateful for it. Right. So I think that I like, I'm happy to hear you share that because I think that's actually a more dangerous situation, quote unquote, right? Like it's kind of the, you know, we call it golden handcuffs being right. in this position of you have all these good things. You, like you said, you had these visions or, or ways that you thought your life would play out and you're more or less in that space. So there's a part of you that's like, well, I achieved that. And then there's also that part of you that's like, well, I should be grateful for this. Right. But exactly. it's because the fact that you're not having this, this, this giant crisis. And like, I've had a bunch of health stuff along my journey, which kind of acted as a catalyst, but I still knew that things weren't quite right. But for somebody that's not going through some major issue, there, there's nothing that they're not running into this brick wall. They're just living with this, <laughs> this, this notion of if I quit, Every single day, this going through their head of, if I quit, I, I might right. feel better. I would probably feel better. So exactly. to somebody going through that same thing, what would you suggest in terms of, because I, I like what you said about the book. I do think that we do have things that trigger us to look at things, at least with a different perspective or open us up to possibility. But so for anybody going through something like that, what would you say to try to get to to dig below the surface and try to figure out, is this just some, you know, little fantasy that I have, or is there actually something to this? Yeah. And I, it's, it's taking that step back. And I, I like what you were hitting on. If you're not reading, start reading, get yourself a good yeah. book. And I'm not yeah. talking fiction, get yourself something that's going to challenge you and help you grow spiritually or intellectually mm-hmm. or, or trigger yourself to be more in a reflective state. And that's uncomfortable sometimes, um, but it's hugely valuable because if you feed your mind good materials, it's going to free you and give you permission to think differently. I think that's the most important thing, whether it's, yep. whether it's books or it's YouTube videos or it's consuming content on LinkedIn that's aligned with that. You have to start there. Um, I wouldn't advocate, you know, just getting up and, and, and quitting. <laughs> that's not the right move though for me. Honestly, I, I do look back. I say I would never do that again. But if I did not do that, I would, there's a high likelihood I would still be working there in the same environment, mm-hmm. doing the same thing. Now looking back five years, I would probably have, I, I had the courage at that point in time. And if I wouldn't have acted on it, uh, I'm afraid I probably would still be living my life with quiet desperation. Yeah. And, and that's just the reality of it. Uh, but going back to your question, though, I, I think feeding your mind 
good intellectual, spiritually stimulating content is vitally important. And then it falls into whether you call it a, you know, a strategic life plan or your, your dreams or your life goals or, you know, doing what you do with clients as well, just starting to articulate and understand what's most important to you and where you want to go from here. And once you can start crafting that plan, then the, then the actions are going to naturally come out of it. And it does not need to be complex. I, I find way more than anything else, people are so unwilling to write things down. And as soon as you write things down, it hmm. becomes real. Yeah. <laughs> so what are four things you want to do over the next two years? Write that down. It, beca- it starts to become a compass, right? Yeah. That in combination of kind of that legacy question we talked about earlier, or really digging deep and, and defining who I am and why I'm here in some of my, my life mission or my, my guiding principles in life. Those two things, a plan and really here are my core values. Those two things in collaboration can really set you up for what are those next steps, including potentially escaping um, the career you're in um, if, if that's not in alignment with those. But there's also opportunity. I'm a firm believer of this too, that your occupation does not need to define you. Mm-hmm. you can use that as a vehicle to help do other things with your life. And that's okay. And I think people need to understand that as well, mm-hmm. that you don't need to jump out of corporate America. You don't have to leave the factory. You don't have to leave being the plumber, the electrician, the trade, whatever you're doing to find fulfillment in life. Mm-hmm. There's so much more to life than that. That can be a vehicle and you could still find fulfillment in there. Volunteer. Do life goals, figure out how you're going to travel the world if that's what makes you tick. Um, But those things will make those tough days in that job all the easier. I love that. I really do think that it's exactly what you were saying. Having your core values, having some sort of plan and those things in tandem create your compass more or less. Exactly. But you have to know those things. So you have to have those things in place in order to be on this path that is, you know, in, in alignment with the, the life that you want to be living. Can I jump in for a second? I got to reinforce this. And you have to have the courage and make the time to write it down. Yeah. You have to record yeah. this stuff because if you don't, it just floats away. Especially as you get older, you lose your memory and you're like, Oh, what was I, what did I want to yeah, do? Yeah. <laughs> what did I think my core values were? You know, and I don't want to use those are buzz termy words, but you can call them what you will. But mm-hmm. you do need to have a few statements that really define you and how you want to conduct yourself. Yeah. No, I, I will absolutely second that. Write things down. I'm a big fan of journaling. Uh, just so many people deal with, well, I mean, in general, we, we just deal with so much on, a daily basis. We have more stimuli. We have more incoming information than we've ever had before. If you're always living in your head, you're, you're simply not going to be able to, to get to where you want to go. So there's something we said for really getting it out. Like you said, putting it on paper. I remember listening to, to Arnold Schwarzenegger's, uh, his biography. And okay him talking about the importance of writing down goals. And in that moment, it, like that just happened to be the thing for me that really stuck. And I was like, okay, I need to write down goals. 
it's just so important. But I wanted to also go back to how we get there, how we get to this place where we have a set of values, where we have a plan, and you have to slow down. You have to step back, like you're saying. We're using similar language there. Uh, slow down is the the term that I use where I start with people. And the interesting thing is that we're experiencing that right now as a whole, as a collective. The entire world is slowing down. And I know people are starting to feel this. I know they're starting to feel this about their own lives, about their life direction, about their careers, their relationships. And so for me, I'm like, all right, like your step one is being done. <laughs> like we're, mm-hmm. we're getting that chance to step back. We're getting that chance to slow down. So it's like, take advantage of this. This is an awesome opportunity to reevaluate your life, reevaluate where you're at. And it's important to understand kind of similarly to what you were saying. It's like, look, this isn't to, to necessarily point out that we're not saying something has to be wrong with your life. It's just exactly. an opportunity right. to redirect to recenter to refocus and i think that's an opportunity that while there's so much shit going on with this and there's so much sadness and fear and so many things that aren't great the one way that we can make the most of the situation is control what you can control and that's bingo your actions your life the things that you're doing so why don't you focus on that and really hone in on how you can shift your life? This is an opportunity that we are hopefully not going to get back, right? I would, that would be awesome if we don't. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. So it's like, this is kind of the time, at least that's how I'm seeing it. So I think it's, it's an yes. opportunity for people to really um, do some of these things we're talking about. Well, isn't it funny that uh, the whole concept of FOMO has disappeared? Fear of missing out. I mean, yep. there's nothing to miss out on. No. That, me, that leaves room for as uncomfortable as it is for some of us. And I struggle with it too. We, we got, we have time to uh, allow our mind to reflect on and answer some of the big questions in life. And that's where, and this is a, a shameless plug, but I believe everyone needs a coach um, because yep. we all need a coach to help us think that through. This is too big for a lot of us to wrap our minds around. Yep. I mean, I have a coach and I need that. And not only to encourage me to write it down and to practice what I'm preaching, uh, but also to dust that plan off every month and take a good look at it with someone is vastly, is, is immensely important. Yeah. Um, so I, I agree with you. I think now is a great time because we have that time to really take a deep dive and, understand where we want to go with life. What are our dreams? What are our life goals? What are our values? And start to define some of that. Yeah. And I will reiterate what you said about courage. I've had this discussion with a few other people recently with coaches, with clients, um, other podcast guests. When you really want to look at your life and get serious about making a change, it's important to understand that it's not going to be easy. Right. What you're doing right now is the path of least resistance or or you are very aligned and intentional about what you're doing. Creating a shift in your life is never is always going to we're coming back to that topic of resistance, right? Yes. There's always going to be resistance there. 
And if you're really no doubt no interested doubt. in doing that and set on embarking on that path, you have to have courage. So I love that you were really kind of hammering on that concept there because you've got to have that. It's just not going to be easy because you're going to have to face a lot of things that are going to challenge you, going to challenge your decisions and your actions. So if you can have courage during this time, that's a huge, huge thing. Absolutely. And you have to really, as difficult as this may be, especially right here and right now, you got to deeply foster uh, a belief that your future is bigger than or greater than your past. Mm -hmm. That propels everything. And if you're in the opposite boat where you believe your past is, has been greater than your future, that's where it comes into what we were talking about earlier. You have to feed yourself yeah. good content, good books, good perspectives from people to help you shift that. That's where it starts. Because those people that have ultimately been um, achieved great things, lived tremendous lives, made a huge difference in the lives of others, they all have that common trait where they believe their future was bigger than their past. It all starts there. That's not a tough one. That's not an easy one. It's easy to say, but to really get up in every morning and reinforce that in your mind is difficult. And to catch yourself when you're starting to believe the opposite, that's where it all starts in my opinion. Yeah, so, so true. And that's when you need those signposts along the way. You, you need to create those signposts on your journey of like, this is where we're going next. This is where we're going next and have kind of that big, Right. Big, big, high level vision of this is the direction that I'm heading in. And the accountability then. Now we're yep. giving ourselves a pat on the back too. You do need that coach or you need a good friend that you're willing to sit down with on a regular basis Yeah, and pull out those plans and see what the progress is, see where the obstacles are. It's, it's going to be under, it's not going to go exactly as planned and that's okay. It's all about progress over perfection. Mm. Yep. <laughs> Love that. Love that uh, sentiment there. Uh, I think that's a great way to kind of wrap things up. Mark, I've got a couple of questions for you. Just like quick, I, I call this, this segment here at the end, the visionary hat trick. Okay. So are you a, are you a hockey fan up North there? Uh, tangentially. I, I okay. know enough about hockey. Oh yeah. Okay. We don't have um, an NHL team up here. So I, we're, uh, it is, it is kind of hard for you. That was the one thing with Jesse being a, a Packers fan. It's like when she came down here, she's like, well, I could like the Blackhawks because <laughs> right. I'm, not, I'm not emotionally tied to anything. Right, exactly. That was easy one for you, right? Yeah. Easy win for you? Nice. Yes. Oh, it was, that felt good. That was why I was convinced I could actually marry her. Don't <laughs> Our secret. Yeah, right. Um, these questions are, are kind of just going to high level. I think we're, we're all visionaries in our own way. These are just some questions to kind of touch on that fact and how we are unique in, in our own right. Beautiful. So the first question is, what is something, a belief that you have that you've worried about being judged for or other people might think is kind of crazier out there? Hmm. The idea, and this comes out of Richard Carlson's book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, which I mentioned earlier, but it's really the idea that more gentle and relaxed people in life can truly be super achievers. Mm. I think there's a, a tendency out there, especially in the business world, that if you're gentle and relaxed, you, you can't make it. So that's one that I've tried to foster 
And I actually had opportunities to talk in front of, you know, high school and college age kids at one point too. And I wanted to reinforce that as well, that the idea that gentle, relaxed people cannot be super achievers is totally false. Oh, I'm sure people look at me and roll my eyes when they say that, but after 20 years of experience, now I can look back and say, it's true. People, it's that whole, uh, my angel, I believe the, don't forget what you did, what you did, but remember how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so true. And so, so important. I love that. That's something that, because, you know, going back to what we kind of talked about around this earlier is, you know, that's who I am. And I always kind of led by example, but because I wasn't a vocal kind of in your face, assertive, like overly right. assertive leader. Exactly. I had me issues too. identifying with that when I was younger. So for me, that would have been a really meaningful lesson for me to have heard 10, 15 years ago. So I love the fact that you're doing that. You're actually speaking to people about that because it is powerful. We have a very specific, uh, archetype. Yeah. You'll be the ball buster out there, right? You have to make sure you, you got to twist arms. You got to be the one that, uh, you know, I, I, (laughs) always tell I, I just telling it like it is that kind of approach you right know I mean? yeah yeah it, it's not true i mean you could build relationships and you 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 have to put as many deposits in um as you're developing relationships so that when it becomes uh, time to have a critical conversation with you you've got enough assets there already you know you've deposited enough that's a far better approach that's the better approach to getting people's attention and to uh helping them make positive changes as well even in the workplace. It's kind of, kind of goes back to that thing of like, would you rather be respected or feared type of thing? Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Cool. I I like that one a lot. Um, For you, the second question is for you, your personal vision, when that's realized, when you can really flesh that out, the direction that you're going in, what, what are your like big picture hopes and goals for that? What will that look like and what impact will that create? Well, I plan to be a certified dream manager the rest of my days. And uh, seriously, I I'm absolutely convinced I found my purpose. Mm. I love doing what I'm doing, whether it's working in, with larger groups and doing a dream storm or it's, you know, one-on-one coaching with individuals and helping them realize their life goals and dreams. This is what I'm meant to do. And uh, I'm, absolutely enthused about it and know this is what I'll do. The whole concept of retirement for me, uh, I can't see that happening. I'll be doing this well into my retirement years. And, uh, you know, when I went through the certification class to be a dream manager, there were a couple of gentlemen and they're somewhere between 75 and 80 years old getting certified. And I'm like, that was, that spoke to me. Mm, like, mm-hmm. I mean, they were both, they bought and sold companies. They grew companies. They did all sorts of different things. And now they're just all about helping people. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, that's what I would be doing when I'm 80 years old. Um, so it's as simple as that. Yeah. This is my purpose. Could it change? Absolutely. It might. Uh, but at this point in time, my trajectory is that this straight through retirement. Well, I maybe do it less. Yes, but I found it. Amazing. Oh, so good. And we didn't even touch on that topic of retirement, but just a, a quick note on what you're saying there. I, I'm a firm believer that if you find your purpose and your direction and your trajectory, 
you shouldn't need retirement. That shouldn't be something that you focus on. Is it something that's going to happen because you get old? Like you're saying, are you going to scale back? Yes. But to me, if you could imagine a life where you didn't have to retire, that is more along the lines of what you should be shooting for. Well, my wife and I had to sit down with our financial planner and actually say that, I just say to him, you know, my whole concept of retirement has shifted a little bit. Yeah. I will still, I'm very, very confident in it, be working in some capacity mm-hmm. because this is what makes me go. This is what makes me get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. I'm excited and, you know, so pumped up to do this. So unless that changes, but let's, let's keep that dialogue going as we're, you know, pre- putting together uh, financial plans for now and through retirement. Mm-hmm. It's going to look a little different than what I originally expected. Yeah. Right. You're not just like just hitting the wall and stopping. <laughs> right. I want to peak on my last day. Yeah, right. <laughs> Dead serious. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that. Love that. I could do a whole podcast on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> final question. What is your, we're like zooming way out here. Think of really big I, picture. Yep. What is your hope for humanity? Hmm. Man, that's, that's a deep one in the here and now, isn't it? Right. Yeah. I, I'm going to say it's twofold. Okay. First that the vast majority of people are not living that life of quiet desperation mm-hmm. just to anchor that, that, that whole concept and that whole quote has had such a powerful impact on my life. Mm-hmm. It's one of those that I think about every day and I feel for people cause I've been there. You've been there. We know so many people that have been there yeah. or are there right now. Yep. So helping end that and be okay having conversations on this that may uh, appear to be, to my earlier answer, soft or gentle or relaxed, mm-hmm. um, that it's okay to have those conversations because it's going to break you from that life of quiet desperation. That's the way there, right? Right. Um, so that piece of it. And then there's one thing that's always centered my life. And I'll, I'll try to twist this into an answer to this question too. It's you either give energy or you take it. Mm-hmm. I just hope that, the, again, the vast majority of people on this planet can choose to give energy. Yeah. And it can be that encourager. And just getting that message out to as many people as possible. Mm. So good. Thank you for that. And I think that kind of, I feel like that almost solidifies a theme that we've had going here is that because I think what's so powerful about what you just said is that just because you're giving energy doesn't mean that you're losing energy. Right. When you're giving, if we're all giving our energy in a way that makes sense to us, we're all winning from that. It it ends up being a win-win. And that truly is what is going to allow us all to, to kind of rise together. Right. And I'm not some Pollyanna that says I'm always giving energy. I'm sure there's yeah, the people yeah. I live with that I walk <laughs> into a room sometimes and I'm taking it. I, I know I'm taking yep. energy, uh, but more times than not, if you can use that as a guiding post, it can really change your life and your perspective on how the depth of your relationships mm-hmm. and which is what the, this life is all about. Isn't it? Yep. Yeah. So good. Well, Mark, thanks so much for coming on. Where can the people find you if they want a little bit more information about you, want to get in touch? Probably the easiest way is to connect with me on LinkedIn. 
my last name spelt C-U-M-I-C-E-K, which I'm sure I'll be on the show notes or something yep, like yep, that. But I'll it's put not it a common below. last name. Uh, otherwise, you can check me out on my website. It's Onward, O-N-W-A-R-D, Dream, D-R-E-A-M.com, OnwardDream.com. Awesome. And yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll put all that stuff in the show notes below so people can check it out there. Thanks so much, man. I really enjoyed this and our time together. Thank you, Ben. It's, this has been awesome. And I'm sure we blew through our time limit, but I had a lot of fun uh, chatting with you. And uh, no more Bears comments, I promise. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe that one for a minute. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're probably right. Hey, yo. Thanks so much for listening. I truly hope you enjoyed today's episode. Just a reminder that all the relevant links can be found in the show notes below, as well as that of our free Facebook community, where all the cool kids are at, just being ourselves, sharing our gifts, and supporting the hell out of one another. So come on in, introduce yourself, and join the party. See you in there.